0: Hi there, everyone. I'm Dave Butler.
1: I'm Emily Freeman.
0: Welcome to Don't Miss This. It's our scripture study podcast where we move through the scriptures and talk about things we think you don't want to miss. (laughs) Uh, If you've heard that 900 times, listen, we have to introduce new people. (laughs) It might be their first time, (laughs) so they don't know, but you might have that memorized by now. Welcome.
1: Welcome if you're brand new. Yeah.
0: Um, This year we're in the New Testament because we are following the same schedule of scripture study that the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints studies. So, and we're doing the New Testament this year, and we are in the Gospels, which is our favorite place oh, to be. Listen, I was just talking to a friend the other day, and by friend, I mean my Sunday school class. <laughs> I, I actually like that that just happened because I really love them. They really are my, oh, just, my <laughs> friends. So I love them so much. Um, just about, I was like, this spot, because we started a note. And everybody in their phone started a note. <gasps>
1: that was smart. That's um, actually a good idea. Let's explain that to people. Yeah.
0: Well, I was about to. Okay. So because of what's happening right now is we sort of like, at least the way Matthew tells the story, he's just like, here's what Jesus taught. Here's what Jesus did. You know, is sort of the way his book is set up. And so we kind of went through the Sermon on the Mount, right? And then now it was, I want you to start a note that's just at the very top. Say, Jesus is dot, dot, dot. And then... Each lesson that we read or when you read on your own, add something to that list because okay, the hold Gospels on. is...
1: Before you keep going, I really want you to explain to people what a note is in their phone and how you would set it up for a class and then teach all this that you're doing because you know what you're talking about, but people who are like my age or older have no idea what you're talking about. Oh, well, they
0: right can now. just start their own.
1: And I want you to show how to do that.
0: Okay, I will do it. What are you talking about? So
1: everybody, this is a really awesome thing. On your phone, there is a thing called notes. my phone? I don't know, but you need it. There is a thing called notes. And you probably know about the (laughs) notes feature, which I'm not worried about that for anyone. But what you might not know about is you can actually invite other people into your notes, which I'm not exactly sure how to do because I am the age where you maybe wouldn't know exactly how to do that. So when he says... I started a note with my class. He's not talking about a piece of paper that anyone's passing around. He's actually talking about something on his phone that is called what did you say?
0: Just notes. Yeah.
1: No, the, the one for your class.
0: Oh, Jesus is. Jesus is. Yeah.
1: And then will you just explain to people how they might invite someone into that? Because what if someone wants to do it with their family? Or what if they want to do it with their Sunday school class? Just explain the process. Yeah.
0: Ask somebody who's under the age of forty and they will just tell you how to do it. But you can invite people in so that you're all sharing the note together. Or if people just want to keep their own, that's awesome too. Yep. And because you're gonna be doing a study in church on yourself, or what? On yourself. (laughs) Just (laughs) by yourself. By yourself. Um, and you can keep adding to this list. And, and came- the thing
1: that is fun about it, if you're in a shared community, like your Sunday school class, yeah. or like, it's making me think to myself, I actually wish I was starting one of these for my family, just a shared study group. Yeah. That Here's what is the awesome thing. If you've never been on a shared note before, if David puts something in there, no matter when he puts it in there, everybody who's invited to that note gets to see that thing. So it doesn't just have to happen on Sunday when you're in your class. It can actually happen all week long whenever anyone is studying. And David's not the only one who can add to it. Anyone in his class right. can put a thought in there. And then everybody has this like, it's a really great idea for a shared discussion. Some people might have a family text group, yeah, similar to that. But the thing I love about notes is you can put pictures on there
0: um, and Well, and it just saves, like, it's that topic only. So I, well, that's like, what I was just going to say. Yeah. You can put
1: pictures, you can put links. You can put everything you would put in a text, right? Is there anything that you can't put in there? uh uh-uh. So everything you could put in a text, you can, but it doesn't have who's bringing salad to family dinner this week. It's just only Only those that. things. Yeah. Okay, so now go back and talk about your notes. What, what's going to go in there? Sorry um, for the interruption, but, but yeah. I, some people didn't know what you were talking about. You, um, you did. <laughs>
0: So the whole concept and idea was the first principle of the gospel is faith in Jesus Christ. It's trust in Him. And and who is He? And why should I trust Him? And why should I follow Him? And why should I give my life over to Him? And I actually think... The Gospels is the greatest way to build trust and faith. It's the initiator. It ignites faith and trust mm. because I'm learning his personality and I'm learning his attributes. And that's why we're studying his names this year. It's because like, listen, if you ever are going to want to follow him or take his direction or or have him lead your life, like, this is what you have to learn who he is first. We're actually so passionate about this right now, just this idea of... Uh, what if I want to be more deliberate in my faith? What if I want to live more intentionally in relationship with God and have him guide me and let my life be more fulfilling that way? And we've actually like filmed, finished this masterclass that we're kind of organizing, putting together. So if you're interested in diving into that, you can look forward to that. We'll announce it when it happens. But this day, as we, this spot in scripture as we move forward like, I would start keeping track of what am I learning about him? We started that last week, mm-hmm. right? What if the, What if you only knew the story of the leper? Like, and Jesus' interactions with him. What would you know about him? And, and what
1: would be your he is? Like, I'm so interested in, in what are some things that you and your class are writing on that note.
0: Yeah, and we actually started Jesus is, and then we had to take off the is and just did Jesus dot, dot, dot. Because, like, then you would have to, like... So for last week, what or you know, you do the lepers like um Jesus sees me. Jesus mm-hmm. sees my pain. Jesus cares about the things I care about. You know, when we did the water to wine story, like that's
1: so good. Yeah,
0: and it's just like wow, I'm like really seeing man, I, I, I'm even like tempted now because I've got little kids in my house to right. put up a like just a poster something in my Where we do our scripture study that just says, can we just add this every week?
1: But I love your notes idea, which is why I'm super passionate about explaining it. Because what about my kids who don't live in my home and a poster won't work, Right. but notes would actually work for us and and I can invite everybody in. And then whenever people have time, because the hard part for us is we can't do come follow me on Sundays because everybody's church is not at all the same time. And some people now have Sunday other commitments that that it doesn't work, but that your notes would work. The other thing I want to say too, that I love that you just talked about is that idea of where should you start in scripture or, um, you know, like the gospels is such a good place to start. And it reminded me when Grace was little, seven, right before she got baptized. And Grace um, tends to be, in in the spiritual sense of my personality, the most similar of all my kids towards scripture study. And so at seven, she had said to me, I want to read something before I get baptized, which I know because I have five children is not always normal, but you might have one what? of these. <laughs> and she said, um, what should I read? And my first inclination was the Book of Mormon. That's what I told her. Oh, you should read the Book of Mormon. And immediately the spirit was like... She should read the Gospels. And I, in my mind, I was like, oh, good idea, because that's shorter. And then the Spirit was like, no, because that's Jesus. And I was like, oh, that is so smart. Yeah. Like, it really is conceivable to read the Gospels. It's, it's like, I was reading Elder Packer last night was saying it's 153 pages. It's just a little you know, it's easy. You can just read the gospels. But I love that the spirit was like, no, actually it's because I want her to be introduced to Jesus before she gets baptized. And it was so darling because I would walk down here. We're in my basement. I would walk down here every night to tuck her in and she would just have out her little new Testament. And now I'm like, Did she get anything? Like, Don't you just wonder if she was like, what is happening? I don't know. But she did it all by herself. She would read every night before she went to bed. She would just do her little reading. And I loved that thought of you. Like, it doesn't matter what age you are. It doesn't matter if you're seven or if you're whatever age. I just love that idea that you had of like, let me introduce you to Jesus in a really like simple way. And if you can understand him here... Then you will understand him in the whole standard works.
0: Yeah, it just as when you were saying that, like, I know that there's someone listening who, you were like, oh, no, you should introduce him to Jesus, don't use the Book of Mormon, they're like, woo!
1: Well, oh, yeah, that's right.
0: <laughs> but the thing that is un- unique about the New Testament is he's walking and talking among people. Yes. Like, it's really easy to picture him. And if you can capture his personality and his character here. In
1: mortality. In
0: mortality, then I'm like, oh, now I can actually see it. Because we did it last year with the Old Testament, right? Like we learned his character and nature in the story of David and the story of Ruth and the story of... Yeah. You know, and
1: we'll all. do it in the Book of Mormon. And the Book of Mormon we will, also. We but, will fully be... It's another testament of Jesus Christ. Right? We'll be immersed in that.
0: But it's just easier to see it when he's on a road or when he's under a tree or when he's in somebody's yeah. living room. It just helps it to come alive. And and that's kind of what today is, is just a continuation. We're still going on and we've got this idea of compassionate detours that will really come alive in the last segment of, of what this means. But we just get to follow Jesus around yeah. again. And, and
1: we love that And um, as we think about that masterclass that he's God led. And if oh, you've yeah. ever wondered what that looks like today, like that's one of the things we are most fascinated about him is every day I wake up and make a to-do list. And you just wonder, like, what would his have looked like? Because it seems like there was so much of this going on in his life, which means if I want to live a God-led life, I have to figure out how to let this happen.
0: Oh, there's this thing. I, I, right when you said the to-do list, so my friend, our friend, Amy... Um, who is the CEO of HXP, those humanitarian trips that I like to go on with my kids. They take humanitarian trips um, for youth all over the world, and it's so awesome. And they were on a scouting trip. They were at a place, like checking the hotel, the buses, and all the safety and everything. And there was, I wish I knew more of the details, but the most important part, I remember, that there in the office of this woman that they were visiting, this charity that they were combining forces with, was this little sticky note. And it said on the sticky note, to-do, dot, dot. And then it said, love God, love people. <gasps> that was her like to-do list. Oh my gosh. And That's anyways, so good. So they totally like kind of uh, adopted that idea. And, you know, I mean, and that was Jesus' to-do list. It really yes, was, that's right? so good. And you get to watch it. Okay. Before we kind of jump into like the what, following him around, you know, there is this concept for our first segment called Nicknames. And you will see this in the journal. I just love this idea of how people-focused Jesus was. Even like in his to-do list, love God, love people, that's a person, a person. You know, that, that he's like, people will actually dictate what I do in a day. Like, mm. and, and tasks will always be surrounded by people. And you see that with him. You see the way he talks to people. You see the way he builds people. You see the way he encourages people. And I love watching in the gospels in particular, just how he interacts with individual people and on their it's journeys. Not, and
1: it's not just that he's a good manager of people. Like it's not like it's that kind of a thing or a good leader of people. Somehow there's something endearing about his relationships. Yeah. Where you're like, it's more than just good management or good leadership or good teaching. There's, the, the piece that is so amazing is that endearing quality that that tender touch yeah. that intimacy and the vulnerability and how did he do that so well and we're going to watch that yeah all today day in today. particular
0: right you yeah. see that in today but here in the journal in this first section is this spot to some fill in the blanks here and you know you can see the verses here p.s if you are having a time screen sh- hard time screenshotting this or wanting this these are always on the app just so you know but we love just looking at a couple of different verses to see like what Jesus called these people. And what it really means is this is what Jesus saw in these mm. people. And so you know Simon, but we really actually call him most of the time by the nickname that Jesus gave him, which is Peter. And that's a word that means the rock. Like Peter was this fisherman, a little bit gruff, super gritty. Um, you just watch him like um I just you I just love love Peter so much cuz he's so raw. Um I'm so endeared to him because of that. And yeah. um and cuz he cusses, but <laughs> I just love that you know Jesus sees him on day 1 and he's just like I'm going to start calling you Pete from now on, you know? And that was a nickname. Like it was a, an endearing nickname and it stuck and and we call him that, but it means the rock and he saw something solid inside of Peter, you know, it's like you see Peter kind of like almost waffling sometimes, but Jesus is like, that's okay because I actually see that you are pretty solid in what is most um, important and he sees that in him.
1: And he reminds him.
0: Yeah, he keeps reminding him. He's like, I actually see this in yeah. you. Um, every time he calls his name, he reminds him, you know? So it's not just cute. It's also like he's, he's helping him to capture become. that idea yeah, to become something. Mm-hmm. Nathaniel, remember when he meets him? Um, I told Emily when I wrote this, you can't change that because this is how I translate it every time I read it. He actually says to Nathaniel when he meets him, he's just like, there is an Israelite indeed. And that word means promise keeper. Um, That's what it would have meant to them back then. And then also he says, in whom there is no guile. You, You just have a golden heart. That's what I wrote in my scriptures. I was like, he just called him Golden Heart is what he called him. So that's in case you were like, I can't find that anywhere in scripture. I was like, that's because I made it up. That's my translation. The, of John D G 47. You got the King James, you got the DB, you got all sorts of Bibles you can read. Um, and then James and John I, in Mark 3, he calls them the sons of thunder. And I, I am so rad. I just love that he, what he sees in people, that he sees their strengths. But um, he also
1: sees, I was reading Elder Packer last night was actually talking about how he was so good at doing this in a book that I was reading. That's called what? Because people are going to want to know. Teach Diligently. Teach You dil- yeah. Diligently. David recommended And he talked about, too, that that they had passion. That's what he's trying to tell you here. And they might have been a little emotional. And they might have, like, brought a lot of opinion and energy into conversations. But he could, like, turn it to be like, this is actually why I need you. Is Because this is what you bring to the table. Which I was like, I love that he was like... Here's what I see. Other people might not love this about you. It's actually why I called you.
0: Right. And I think that's so interesting because you have a lot of people who might say things like, I'm actually not fit for this responsibility or I'm not fit for this call or I'm not fit for this task because I don't fit the mold. And I love coming to them and saying like, <laughs> this is the it's mold. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> this is the mold. The mold is like, I just, it's, it's everybody, you know? And yes. then in your journal, we love the journal questions are designed to hopefully help you kind of like, not just fill in the blank, but reflect a little bit. Um, maybe a little bit each day on on each of these segments, but just this idea of what might his nickname be for you um, and you wouldn 't write like Davy boy, even though that 's what he calls me but like <laughs> what you would think about is you know I, I wonder what he sees in me, and I actually was going to write this, and I forgot. I put the scripture references here. I actually might write right here, One Spot You Goes Your Patriarchal Blessing. Mm. Because I started thinking like, I think I would have a really hard time writing what his nickname would be for me because it's tough sometimes yeah. to like write down like, well, this is what I'm so good at. Well, and but also different
1: if, seasons. And yeah. you might be like, well, I don't know. Maybe he wants to call me like jo- Josh's mom, you yeah, know? Or yeah. like... You know, I, I might change, but I love that idea of your patriarchal
0: blessing. Yeah, I would want to go in and and I want to pick out a word. That and it's I'm just foundational.
1: Like, it's yeah. like going to be with you no matter how the seasons change.
0: Right, right. And so anyways, that's what I might do with this one is go to my patriarchal blessing. If just you have right one, off the bat,
1: bless- what do you think yours would be out of your patriarchal blessing? When
0: I wrote it in the first word I thought was, was cheerful. That's a word that's in my patriarchal blessing. I want to go back because um, there's... Um, a, a couple that are there, but I, I would actually like if, if he I actually wanted to call me Goldenheart, heart. Um, but that is a word directly from there. Like yeah. you have a cheerful disposition and I would like, I like him calling me. He's like, Hey, cheerful. Yes. You know, like, yes. <laughs> I would yeah. like something like that. How That's about so you? Cute. Do you have a word that comes I, to mind? The
1: one, the immediate one that came right when you said it was like several times it mentions, I have double faith.
0: Which oh my I gosh, that's love awesome. That yeah. thought.
1: I want to be like, especially because I actually am someone who second guesses and questions and like has to think about things for a while. And like, I, I'm nervous about if I'm, am I doing it right? You know, that is like my first inclination. that I love the thought that he would be like, remember, I gave you double faith. Yeah. Like, act like that.
0: I really want him to call you. Hey, double faith. Okay. That's such a good <laughs> life. <laughs> Anyways, I now actually want to go do that. I actually just thought it just barely as I was writing those up and I think it would be really cool practice to go and think, Oh, he already, he actually already gave me the yeah. nickname.
1: We're going into one of my favorite stories. And if you are a woman listening, it, there is a really good chance. This is one of your favorite stories too, because when I talk to women and when I teach women, This is for some reason one that just endears us to Christ. But in order to love this story as much as I want you to, um, this is going to be the woman who touched Christ's robe. Um, And in order to love it as much as I want you to, you have to realize this is a story that is kind of like an Oreo for the fact that there are two separate parts of another story that this gets sandwiched in between. I'll take the cream. It's my favorite part of the Oreo.
0: Okay. And that just made me think. <laughs> Caleb yesterday legit scraped out the cream out of like six Oreos and put them into one. And yeah, that's like, me. I did that when I was Caleb's one. age.
1: That is totally my personality. But I was really good at like stacking. stacking. Did he stack um, is. Um, so I'm going to keep the woman. David is going to tell you the story that sandwiches the woman because this, this whole story is so much sweeter if you realize that it happens on top of each other.
0: Yeah. So what you find here is G- Jesus is at lunch, it seems, in one of the accounts, having dinner together with lunch. I like that it's lunch, with uh, a bunch of people of questionable reputation. And uh, and in the middle of lunch, he gets interrupted by this man whose name is Jairus. And all you learn about him is he is this ruler of uh, a synagogue. Um, we don't know much about what their you know, relationship would have been with each other. But this, it, it like just um, melts my dad heart whenever this happens because he's there at lunch and it says in Mark five twenty two that Jairus, um, when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. And I just want to say that generally, men don't do things like this. Like they're generally more reserved in their emotions and, and they don't kind of want to display them Uh, for other people to see, especially maybe he's a ruler, has a reputation. And so when he falls down in public at his feet, like I'm like, you, you wouldn't do that normally. You have a very, very particular favor. And you find out in the next verse, and he says, he besought him greatly that he begged him. And he said, my little daughter lies at the point of death. I pray you come and put your hands on her that she may be healed and she shall live. And it's like, yeah, men don't do that unless their little girl is um, in trouble and there's nothing he can do about it, which is hard for a dad. It's hard for like, it might be hard for everyone, but I'm only a dad to be like, wait, I'm supposed to be the fixer. I'm supposed to be the protector. And like, I can't do anything about this. And he comes and he just like, I beg you, I will do anything. I will lose my reputation. I will. It doesn't matter. P- please come help my little girl. And I love that Jesus, like, and he doesn't even finish his lunch. He's just like, just someone take that to go. And he says, lead the way. And um, Jairus is going to take him to his house. And they and, are just moving along to his house, running probably. Right, well, and
1: I, that's the part that I love is this next verse in Mark, because imagine... The urgency in Jairus in that moment. I don't know how many of you have ever had a child with an urgent medical need. For some reason, we have had so many of those at our house. And like I have, I have had the ambulance. I have had that nerve wracking drive, you know, of like we have got to get to Help! We've got to get to help, and it's right. there's, run like red and there's like adrenaline. There's like yeah, 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 because you're in anything to protect the child. And so, how frustrating is it when then you read in twenty four, and Jesus went with him, and much people followed him and thronged him. Like, uh, have you ever been in the fast lane trying to get to a hospital, and nobody will move out of the way, and you're like, please, like we are, like we have to get through.
0: My we, issue is more important than all of yours, I guarantee.
1: Right. Is what you're and and say, because you know? I have actually been in that car on several occasions before, it has changed how I drive on the freeway. Because if anyone comes up behind me super fast and is like, get out of the way, I never act with rudeness or because I have been the person in that car where I'm mm-hmm. like, oh my heck, I have to get out of the way because I don't know what they are rushing to but i know what it feels like to be in that car yeah and whether they are or not i just always want to pretend let me help you and then this is the crazy thing about this story it like stops like you're like here is this dad falling at the feet of jesus weeping begging my daughter is lying at the point of death and then all of a sudden mark's like and a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years and you're like whoa wait. Yeah. Like what's happening with the 12 year old girl? (laughs) You know, like we're on, we are on our way to an emergency. And it's like the ambulance is like, no one's moving. Right. And all of a sudden now there's like this woman with an issue of blood and she's had the issue for 12 years, which a little bit makes you feel like, could you just wait a half hour? Because we're like on our way to an emergency Yeah. yeah? and you've been for 12 years. So I will be right back. Like, There's something in your mind that's like, I'll come back to you. But no, that's not what happens. Everyone who knows the story, um, we learn about this woman, she had spent all the money she had. Like her entire life for 12 years has been dedicated to trying to figure out how to get better. She's been to every physician, she spent all she had, and instead of getting better, she's growing worse. Now, it it is important to recognize the condition that she has makes her unclean, constantly. So we talked about this with the lepers too, where she is a woman who you can't touch. You also can't be in her general vicinity. She has to stay out of the way of people, always. That is what she's used to. And when she had heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind and she reaches out and touched his garment." And I love this word, and that's why we picked it for the title of this segment, Reaching, because there is a song that I love so much, and there is one line in that song that says, he reaches my reaching. And I love that in this woman's story, He is actually within reaching distance. And when nothing else in the whole world worked, the image I have of this woman is that reach. That's what reminds me of her. Last year, David and I went to Israel together. And there is a place in Israel called Magdala. And one of the things I love the most about it is it is a spot. It is a stop that is like highly dedicated to women and their stories within the New Testament. Um, It has to do with Mary. Magdalene is the main pull to this location. But in this location, there is this little chapel in the back, just before you get to the Sea of Galilee, that is just for women. That's what it represents. And in the upstairs court There are all of these columns, and every one of them has a woman's title on it. And then one of the columns is for the unnamed women, which is my favorite of all the columns. It's the stories of all the unnamed women in Scripture, which happen to be my favorite. This woman is one, um, where we will call them by their story, the woman who touched Christ's rope. And sometimes I love that she doesn't have a name because Mm. I'm like, oh, That's me. I'm the unnamed woman in this story every time you see one of those. But David dragged me down to the basement of this room. He's like, you have to come. We were so worried. There wasn't enough time. And we had this whole tour and the buses and da-da-da-da. And then there's me and David running to this (laughs) chapel. He's like, you have to come down to the basement. And we talked the priest there to unlock the door so David could take me downstairs and show me this picture that is now one of my favorite things. This is actually the room we went down into. So you're seeing that here and it's such a fun room. And if it, you're
0: listening, you, you see this painting on the back wall and then the floor is the stone floor and there's this almost stone looking sacrament table altar. And the, like
1: And the stones are raised and it's a circle all the way around. And if we were all there, you would all just come sit on this little stone ledge. And we would just all be close to each other and gathered in. And the focal point of the room for sure is this picture. And um, I will put it, will we put it somewhere? Cause I want the podcast people to see it too. This is like my favorite picture of the gospels ever. And here's what you see on the podcast, a lot of feet. Like you can tell Jesus is thronged because you see so many sandals. And in the midst of the sandals, You see this woman's hand just reaching through and right on the fringe of what would be his um, garment, the garments would have had fringes on them. That is just what is true about Jewish garments that has to do with teaching in the Old Testament. But right on that fringe, her finger reaches out and there is this flash of light that goes out. I hope you can see it from there and you just see this flash of light this instant you can tell it is just oh, instantaneous can't uh,
0: you yeah or you could search magdala painting oh in smart. google and that's and it would, and come, it would up. come up yeah so you yeah, can see that because yeah. it's in
1: the basement of there and um there is that little touch point that reaching moment that i just am in love with when you think about he reaches my reaching this is what a reach looks like, at least in my life. Mm. I see all those feet. I see all the reasons why it's not going to work. And I love that she's like, here, let me just reach. And the fact that he is actually within reaching distance. And um, she says, if I may, but just touch his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway, it tells us in verse 29, I'm in in Mark 5, the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed. Like, don't you just love that flash of light? It's like, it's just straightway. It's immediate. It is like, you know when someone has that... uh, uh, Spark? Yeah, but what is it when you have static (laughs) electricity? It feels like that to me, that she's just like, that's kind of what the touch is. And as soon as she feels that, static spark go off she's like I'm healed I can tell I am I know I am and it tells us in verse 30 and Jesus immediately like in that same like flash knowing in himself it says that virtue had gone out of him and I'm going to pause right here for a minute because I love what we learn about virtue right here virtue is a favorite word of mine Doubly favorite because I grew up in the Elaine Dalton generation of girls. And so when she, or actually I probably was a leader in the Elaine Dalton generation of young women's. But that word virtue is something that is like part of the fabric of womanhood for Mm. me because of what she gave me. And I kind of always wondered what did virtue mean when it very first came out. I'm like, what's she trying to talk about here? What does she think I need? And the Greek translation here, if you follow the footnote, footnote will tell you in 30, um, right? By virtue, power or strength. I love that he immediately felt power or strength go out of him in that moment. And this is why I love it the most, because I have been that woman. I have reached for him in some of the darkest moments of my life, and I love that what it teaches me here is what I was reaching for is power or strength. Yeah. That's what I was reaching for beyond my own. and that's what he felt go out of him. And I love that like he is intimate enough with my story and with her story that he knows when I reach for power and it comes, he's like turns around to be like, Okay, who needed that for me right now? And one of my favorite parts about this story.
0: Well, and I think it's really cool that you just said that right there because I wish Mark had written this a little bit differently where it says that power and strength had gone out of him. But like really what's happening is power and strength has come into her. Yes. You know? Yes. It's what's happened in this this story. And it's
1: how the healing comes. Right. Is because what no one else could do for this woman, he could.
0: And what's neat there is like, what if 20, if twenty nine didn't exist, verse twenty nine, because she actually is healed of that immediately. And there's some people that aren't healed immediately, yeah. but verse thirty is still applicable in every mm. situation. That's that so power true. Power and strength can and does come, even if it doesn't lead to an immediate. Healing. Healing. It leads to an immediate something.
1: Yeah. I had a bishop tell me once with something that I was struggling with and would struggle with for years, like you're talking about. And he said this, there's only one prayer that never goes unanswered. Which in my mind, I was like, because I was dealing with an unanswered prayer mm. at the time. Mm. So I was like, okay, I want to know what that is. And he said a prayer for strength. Mm. Never goes unanswered. Mm. Don't you love that that might be true? Mm-hmm. Um, from him. And so he turns around and says, who touched my clothes? And his disciples are like, do you see this (laughs) multitude? I mean, look, everyone look at all of these shoes. They're like tripping over each other's feet. Do you see this multitude? And you say, who touched me? (laughs) And then this is probably my favorite verse in this story. He says this, and he looked round about to see her That had done this thing. Don't you think it's so interesting it says her? Yeah. It doesn't say who. He looked around about to see who had done this thing. He knew who it was. Right. He started searching the crowd for her who had done this thing.
0: And and I love connecting that word in 31, multitude, Mm. together with the word her in 32. Because it's so interesting that it's just like, once again, there is this picture of with everybody that's there with all of their problems and all of their wants and concerns among the multitude he sees her Her.
1: and i just want to pause before we go on because i want to just add this and you might want to write it in your scriptures what is jairus doing right now that's what i want you to think about yeah when he stops and he's like who touched me if I'm Jairus, I'm like, there's a thousand people and my daughter is about to die. Yeah. C- could we just keep like going right. right now? And he stops and he turns around and he's like, who touched me? So in the back of your mind, you just keep thinking about Jairus. But I also want you to watch this moment because I love in 33 when it says, but the woman fearing, trembling, and knowing... What was done came and don't you love those three words? Like she just, she came fearing. She was like, was I not supposed to do that? She's trembling because can you imagine like that adrenaline rush of like, I'm like, I'm fixed, I'm better. And that, that other emotion, knowing. Like just imagine all of those things and she falls down before him and she tells him all the truth. This is what my life has been like for the last 12 years. These are all the things that I have tried. This is how much money I have spent. And then I heard you were going to be here. I snuck in, which I probably shouldn't have done. uh, like Because I touched him and him and him and him also on my way to you. And Mm -hmm. I didn't want to make you unclean. So I wondered if I just touched your robe so you could keep going about your work. If you would actually... like. I just can see her pouring out this... Whole story. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. And I love what we learn here about faith, that it is a principle of action. Yeah. Like when you think about, like, tell me the difference between faith and grace. Tell me what that looks like in a story. And I love, I love this. Faith was the reach. Grace was what that woman could not do for herself after 12 Mm -hmm. years and all of her bank account and all of her doctor's visits. That was Jesus. But faith was the reach. And I love that thought. And um, that little moment ends right there, that sweet moment that we love so much. And I always ask myself right here, I just can't help but think about Jairus and this whole thing. I mean, he let that lady pour out her story. He let Jesus have that conversation with him. Jesus is making Jairus wait. And in Jairus's mind, because I have been that parent, he is like, we have to go. We have to, like, we need to go. But there's something that makes me wonder this. Was Jesus like, Jairus, you don't know me very well. I'm about to go into a situation for you that's actually going to require reaching from you it's actually going to require faith and i need you to know what that looks like and i also need you to be prepared to offer it in this moment Mm. and so this moment maybe was as much for jairus as it was for the woman because jairus has just learned okay this is what he can do so I actually, now all those stories I've heard, I've just witnessed. And now what does Jairus's belief look like from that little vignette?
0: Yeah, because in that verse, right after in 35, this servant comes from, from Jairus's house and he says, your daughter is dead. Why trouble thou the master any further? And essentially says to him, uh, give up is what you should do, right? Um, and that woman might, may have had something like really similar to that, right? Where she's just like, oh, I, I'm only allowed to go this, you know, far. I'm only allowed this much permission to engage with Jesus, you know? So she was hiding and she was like reaching through the crowd. And I love that that word he says to her, he's like daughter is the first word he says mm. to her to remind her. You actually have daughter status with me. You don't have to hide You don't have to fear. You don't have to tremble. You can actually approach me. I have time for you. Mm. And almost that interaction to me is similar to what he says to to Jairus. Because Jairus could at this point say like, well, this is maybe too much. And now it's too late. And you never answered. And you didn't come quick enough. And it could have been
1: bitter or angry or discouraged. or
0: And I want... I love in this verse 36 that Jesus almost silences that voice of verse 35 where it says, he said, don't trouble him any And Jesus turns back and he says like, no, be not afraid, only believe. I know what your voice in your head is saying to you. I know what your friends might be saying to you. What I'm saying to you is be not afraid, only believe.
1: And I love this too. He doesn't turn to the servant and be like, it's going to be fine. And don't try and tell him that and whatever. Don't you just love that moment that you just feel like he is like walking, they're going, the servant comes. He's like, you don't need to come. He's telling Jairus, this is, we don't need you. We don't need you. And I just imagine Jesus just grabbing Jairus by the shoulders and saying, Jairus, I need you to like remember what just happened. Don't be afraid, only believe. You know, don't you just imagine that like, one-on-one moment
0: yeah and i oh i love these pictures you can't see it's just a depiction of maybe what this scene looks like but particularly jairus's faith here that word when he says only believe to him only suggests that there is another option on the table yeah like doubt is still on the table give up is still on the table and what jesus says is no i'm asking you to pick believe yes your mind and heart could go another direction but I stopped this train on purpose so that you could see what I'm capable of and so you could see a picture of my heart. Like in the multitude, I cared about her. Mm. Do you see what I'm like? I'm asking you to choose, believe. Don't walk away from me right now, right? Yeah. Like, because you easily could because, you know, you're like, you, you, you know, it's like, keep reaching. Yeah. That's what I'm asking you to do. And then it's so sweet because they go to the house you know, and, and everyone's in there and they and and, and they're preparing the funeral. This had mm-hmm. this happened right. The funeral's already getting ready to go. The mourners were there. Everything was happening. I love Jesus walks in and he's just like in 39. Why make this a do? <laughs> in thirty-nine, he's like, How come everybody's you know, crying? Why is everybody why are you doing this? She's only sleeping. And everyone's like, Are you a doctor, sir? in forty? They're just like, You are? They all like laugh at him and, and he I love that he excuses the doubt. And the scorn and the laughter and the distraction out of the room. And he's like, I will have mom and dad, please, you know? And then he says, because I think he's training up Mm -hmm. a rock right now. He says, I will have Peter, James, and John also, please. Um, I need you all to see this. Um, and he just takes them into that room. And this is so darling in 41, he takes that little girl by the hand and he says, Talitha Kumai, um, which it says, tells you is um, damsel, I say into the arise, um, which is super proper. That belongs in one of your romance novels. <laughs> um, but I, uh, one translation of this is simply like Talitha Kumai just means little girl, wake up. And to me, that's just so much mm. sweeter. And then it says, and, and right away, uh, she does. And, and I just, I, there, there's something about this, and everyone's like so shocked. They're like, oh my gosh. You know, can you even imagine what the mom is thinking and the dad? And, and like, The
1: Chosen does it like so well. You and have and not like, seen this yet. I know. But you guys, if you have not seen this yet in The Chosen, <laughs> I will tell you, they did such a good job of putting both these stories together on top of each other. And... I sobbed. I mean, Greg was so concerned about my welfare during the entire chosen episode. I sobbed for two reasons. First of all, because this is one of my favorite stories, and I am actually one of those people where if I've read it and imagined it,
0: you better get it right. Yeah, you know? or I can't
1: watch your movie. You know yeah, how that is? Yeah, where like yeah. I just can't watch your movie. And um, they like uh, part of my crying was they got it right. Like mm. when I looked at it, I was like how did you do this? Like, you got it right. But the other thing is, it is so tender because he does what you're just talking about. Like, you see the mother and and anyone who has ever had a child on a sick bed, you look at that mom and you're like, oh, you know, like, you know um, what it is. And I see myself in this mom. You know, like, you see yourself in this story. And I love, that's what I think we love about it. But it is exactly that thing that you're talking about of you. There are so many in that moment afterward where you're like, what does the mom do? What does the dad do? Right? Wait wait till you see Peter, James and John's faces in The Chosen. (laughs) Because that picture of their faces, you're like, nobody could have created that better than he just did in that film. Like, I just, I want to be like, I got to screenshot that and that and, and because this is here. exactly the way my mind imagined this was going to go. And it's so funny because Jesus's response, that those are like big emotions. And then Jesus is oh, like... Oh, yeah.
0: In 30, 43, he says two things, which are both silly. First one, he says, charge them straightly that no man should know it. I'm like, yeah, right. How are you going to keep that hidden? Like, yes. She Except died, yes. Like, this is PS. what the chosen
1: does so <laughs> well is people are like, so like, what just happened? And Jesus is like this, I know everyone, this is like a lot to take in. Don't talk about it with people. And you're like, yeah, Yeah, because like this this. is, tell people she was sleeping, Mm. because that's gonna make a lot more sense than what what just happened. Like Mm. you feel that in there, which I'm like, Oh, yeah. that. Pro- you're, he's probably right. That yeah. probably is what it felt like.
0: But then the end, the very last verse is this. It's so funny. 42, it says, and they were astonished with a great astonishment. Yes, that's and it. And then in 43, it says, and he commanded that something should be given her to eat. And I'm sort of like, what? <laughs> like, like, you just brought someone back from the dead. And then Jesus is like, could someone get her a, a little juice box? Yeah, a and peanut a butter and jelly? Cheese? Yeah, because you get hungry when you die, apparently. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh my gosh. But I actually love that line yes. so much because there, you and me will face things in our life that we think are dead and over. Like a dream has died. An opportunity has died. Like a tragedy of epic proportions and Jesus sees it as a nap and something that needs a little snack he's just like this is not too I just love that it's this message of like this is not too big, big. for me and and I just I you know it's a, this is a snapshot moment that everybody gets to experience and I don't know how and I don't know when but you, you will have disappointment And you will have things and you will have loss. It's all part of this mortality. But we believe in a God with resurrection power. Mm. Like these things can come alive again. The story's not over for any of them. If we have to wait 12 years from it or whatever it may be, it's just like, you know, God will say arise to everything that we've lost. Yeah. Some day and uh, and everyone will get to feel that great astonishment
1: and i love um that is one thing i love about these three stories we're going to go into a third story right now is we see a 12-year wait we see that jesus is okay with 12-year waits we see this unbelievable thing happening in an instant right you see that that can happen you you start seeing a lot of different things are you someone who's been waiting a long time Here's a story for you. Are you someone who has something to overcome that seems not overcomable? Here's a story for you. And the same thing is going to happen with this next story. We're going to go to Luke 8 is where we're going to be for this story. And... I once was on um, a bus ride with a good friend of mine who I love to talk about scripture with. It's just like the common theme of our conversations is scripture. And he was actually going to speak somewhere and he's like, have you ever read a scripture anywhere in all of the standard works that deals with addiction? And that's a topic that hits really close to home for me And I had the same question many years ago of like, what is Jesus's answer for addiction? And there are probably a lot of you watching this right now who are dealing with this somewhere in your story, whether it is a close friend, whether it's a family member, whether it's you, yourself. This is actually a part of our generation Mm -hmm. right now. This is part of our larger story. And For me, this story in chapter eight is probably one of my top five Jesus stories because it has been our story and we are living that story. It's just part of how we live. And I love that Jesus was like, oh, somebody make sure you write this down because there will be people who need to learn from this. What happens is we start reading in um, Luke 8 and in 26, it tells us they arrived at the country of the Gadarenes, which is over against Galilee. Now, when we were there, um, well, actually, it was when I was there many years ago, I, had, um, I happened to be there with Michael Wilcox, and I said to him, where is the Gadarene? I have to see the Gadarene. And he was like, why? Nobody asked to see the <laughs> Gadarene. And when we went back this last time, we were there for three separate tours with three different guides. And I asked them the same question, where is the Gadarene? I like, I want to see the Gadarene. And everybody does the same thing. They all point to this hillside that comes up off of the Sea of Galilee. And it kind of has rolling hills. If you've ever been to Midway, Utah, imagine that kind of scenery, but not with a lot of houses. That's what it feels like. Like, it's the kind of place that you're like, if you were like... I just need to get away for a minute and walk. You know, if you're someone who like walks things out, you would be like, I'm going to go to the Gadarene. That's what it feels like. You're just going to walk through that hilly place and you're just going to think things through. It feels like maybe that's what was going to happen on that day. Uh, he tells you it's over against the Galilee, and that's kind of how everybody is over there. Where is it? Oh, it's just it's over just off of the Galilee. That's how they would point it out to you. And he goes forth and there he is just walking into this beautiful landscape. And there meets him out of there, a certain man. It depends on where you read in Luke. This is also going to be a Mark. Mark gives you a really good description. In fact, I should have had you go there. And maybe you actually should because... Um, it's such a great description. I think it's in five also. Yeah,
0: it's at the very beginning.
1: Of um, what he looks like. Oh yeah, yeah I'm there too. Um, it, the man out of the tombs is where he comes from. He has an unclean spirit. Um, his He dwells in these tombs. That's where he lives. No man can bind him, not with chains. He's been often bound with fetters and chains and the chains had been plucked asunder by him and the fetters broken in pieces. No one can tame him always night and day. He's in the mountains and in the tombs crying and cutting himself with stones. And this is what I want you to imagine to yourself is Jesus is like, I think I'll go for a little walk. And next thing you know, this man comes out of nowhere in this quiet landscape. He comes up to him and he yells at him, Jesus, what do I have to do with you? He's like, what you know he's he's not happy to see him and i think in my mind always when i get right here how would i have responded yeah you this man comes up to you you're walking you're you're out for like a nice walk so just imagine and out of nowhere comes this man who's not wearing clothes he's bound with chains that are dragging behind him he's been cutting himself all he does is cry all night long he's not bathed in weeks it feels like or months and I'm like, okay, what's my first response? There's part of me that is like, I think I might have like turned and run back to like a safer place than yeah. that. Or I, it also could have been in my nature too, to be like, I do not, not know what's going on here, so I'm just gonna walk by as if I like Didn't don't see. not see you, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because I'm not sure what to do with you, so I'm just gonna walk. And I love that this is Jesus. He just walks right up to him like, I want you to imagine, what are the first words out of your mouth right now? David always puts together these slideshows. Um, And I came downstairs and he just shows them to me before we start so I know what's gonna happen. And he knows this is my favorite story in the whole world. And we get to the part that says it's going to be the man at the Gadarenes. And then he goes to the picture, and it is Jesus and this stark, naked, scary man standing there. He stands there as if we're going to put that up for all of you. And this is what comes out of me. Oh. (laughs) Like, I don't even have words for what is happening in that moment right then. You're welcome that I made him pick a different picture. And for all those who want to see the other one, well... I don't even know what you should do. But this, I love that Jesus walks straight up to him, and you imagine what your first words are going to be in that situation. And his is this What is your name? And I'm like, What? Yeah. Of everything you could say in that moment, you're like, I think this is where we should begin. What is your name? Tell me who you are. You know? in that moment, that is what I want. And when I read it, I wanna remind myself this. This is the man who looked up in a tree, sees Zacchaeus and says, Zacchaeus, come down from here. This is the man who met a boy in a grove and said,
0: Joseph. Joseph. Yeah.
1: This is a man who knows people's names. Yeah. So why is he asking this man for his? Because most likely from everything we've ever read about him, he already knows. Mm. And I love what he's trying to teach that man in that moment is I know who you are. I need you to remember who you are. And the man answers Legion. And um, Legion, Alfred Adersheim, who is one of my favorite Bible scholars, but you'll also find this in the Bible dictionary says Legion conveys the idea of 6,000 armed and strong warriors of evil. I love that this man is like, you want to know who I am? I am a man consumed with 6,000 evils chasing me every single day. That's who you have just met. And that's why I love this picture. If you get a chance to see it, because this man is being, I can't, I don't even know which one is the man like, is it this guy? Is it this guy? There's demon angels. There's demon horses. There's like, you can see all this stuff tormenting this man. And that's how he sees himself. And um, there were so many devils in him. And
0: and, and how he answers, right? He's just like, I'm going to answer with the problem. I'm going to answer with what everybody else sees, sees, you know? And like, that's the immediate, like, Hi, what's your name? And I'm like, uh, I'm trouble. You know, I'm addiction. I'm debt. I am divorce. I'm whatever, you know, whatever it is, whatever, you know, that might be. Yeah, because that's what
1: he's been labeled for so many years. And that's all anybody ever sees. And Jesus looks past the chains and the fetters and the cutting and the loudness and the anger. And he's like, "Uh, let me remind you who you are underneath all of this. That's where we're going to start. Yeah. is with a reminder of who I know you yeah. are. That's where recovery starts, is there. And there's the moment when the devils are like, uh, where should we go? Should we, we're not able to stay here. Should we go to the pigs? And there's the whole part about the pigs that sometimes we get caught up in. And there's the moment um, where it, it tells us when you're reading in Mark, you get a better description of this, but he allows them, he does not hinder them. From entering the swine and running down into the sea and drowning, and um, I think that's important to remember that that is part of mortality. He will allow um, that um, that part of life to be within life, but he also has the power to overcome. Yeah. That part of life, and I well, love what well, we learned there.
0: And I think it's important when you read that not to get caught up in like, did he just kill all those pigs? Yeah, you know. But rather, like the image that's being shown there, is like a, if you imagine this whole herd of pigs like st- falling off a cliff and choking, you know, yeah. in the water and stuff. He's <laughs> just like, it's almost as if he's saying like, that's what was in that man. Like yes. he was choking out. He was like, yes. there was chaos in him. Like it gives you this picture. Of what happens if evil takes full control. Yes. You know, it's like, this is what it looks like. when Evil takes full control.
1: And I love that. So lesson number one would be remind them who they are underneath it all. That's lesson number one for recovery. Lesson number two happens right next. Um, Everyone who sees it happen is like, what just happened? And they run away because they're like, we we don't even know how to accept what just happened. And they go into the city and they start telling all these people. And then all these people are like, what are you talking about? And they all come back. Now everyone's like, what, what is going on? And when they come in verse 35, they went out to see what was done and came to Jesus and found the man out of whom the devils were departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. And this is going to be lesson number two. This is one of my favorite parts of this story is um, that, that Luke mentioned the clothes. It's so interesting to me, Luke mentions the clothes, because I want to say this, first of all, who brought the clothes? Yeah. And I love thinking that maybe Jesus was like, I'm going to meet this guy today. I should throw in my bag an extra set of clothes because I know what's about to happen here. And I love this too. Sometimes we forget about this step. What that man needed in that moment was a new set of clothes. Yeah, That's what he needed. And sometimes we get in that situation and we're like, okay, let me give you the temple recommend questions. Let me give you the, like, um, all, this is the path to recovery. This is the end goal. This is where I need you to be. I need you to be there today. And Jesus is like, today you wear clothes. That's where this is going to start. It's going to start with you wear clothes and then we'll just start there and kind of move up. It it might not start with going to church on Sunday. It might not start with the missionary discussions. It might not start with, can you be in the temple in two weeks from now? How quick can we get your life turned around? I love that Jesus is like, sometimes you start with clothes. Mm. That's where you start with someone. And I think that's an important lesson is Jesus teaches us a beautiful lesson on meeting someone where they are, as they are. What did that man need on that day? Oh, he, he just needed a change of clothes. That's like where the healing began is with that step. And how often do we jump to the end result, the top stair? And with addiction, with recovery, that actually is a stair by stair concept it's not a top of the ladder concept. And, and the first stare is like, we should get you some clothes. Yeah. You know? And then um, they, there's this moment after where he says in verse 38, I just want to stay with you. If I can just stay with you, I'm going to be fine. And when I read that, I'm like, yeah, true. This is actually the best thing. And also Jesus is the type of person that invites people to follow him for the rest of their life. So the best thing for you in my mind is you should actually just stay with Jesus for the rest of your life. That guarantees recovery for you. That guarantees wholeness and healing for you. In my mind, if I'm Jesus, I'm like, yes, good idea. You actually should stay by me for the rest of your life because I'm going to need to babysit this recovery process. And so it shocks me that that's actually not the answer that he gives. And this is going to be the third lesson, which I think is really important. He says to him, return to your own house and show how great things God hath done unto thee. And he went his way and he published throughout. Remember he told him, go to your own house. What does the man do? He publishes throughout the whole city How great things Jesus had done unto him. And it came to pass that when Jesus returned, the people gladly received him, for they were all waiting for him. Why? Because the man, the man's story, the witness of the man. I was in a 12-step meeting once. And the man who was leading the room, and I don't know if you've ever been in a 12-step meeting before, but generally the person who leads the meeting is a recovering addict. That is just true about those meetings. And that man talked about for 24 hours a day, seven days a week, he was chased by his addiction and how exhausting it was. And then he said, until... I began the recovery process, and for me, my recovery process includes I'm committed to running three 12-step programs a week. There are three nights a week I devote my time to leading these 12-step programs, and it is crucial to my recovery. What was crucial? Telling his story. Hmm. Giving people hope that they could heal. Going out and saying, look at this great thing God has done in me and He can do it for you. Um, I love that step three is like tell your story without shame. Learn to tell your story. Give people hope. Tell it as many places as you can in as many ways as you can because Jesus wants to teach us here. That is what will allow lasting happiness and wholeness. I love that Alfred Alfred Adersheim says this would become his life's work is what would ensure wholeness and happiness in him is telling this story over and over again. And I just think it is a beautiful story. Um, What does it look like just in like catching it all back up? Starting with someone's name, who they are underneath it all. Number two, meet them where they are as they are. Start with clothes. That's where it starts. And number three, help people learn to tell their story without shame and give them opportunities to share it
0: it's interesting that you know if you put all this together in order and everything which we'll just do right here quick at the end um these chapters in scripture we love to call just a day in the life of jesus because it's almost as if you got to job shadow for a day it's like you just got to follow him and see where it is that that he would go and and remember in con, in like timeline or whatever, the night before it's when they were out on the sea when it was stormy and they got on that boat and then the boat lands right in this place, the Gadarenes, you know, which could be a graveyard. You know, it says he was in the tombs and everything. And you almost want to ask yourself like, what in the world are you doing going to a graveyard? Yeah, this city. Yeah, to this place. And you're just like, what? And 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 then you find out like, I actually came for just this man, is what I came for.
1: Yeah, and um, well, and we're gonna find out nine, nine people.
0: Yeah, right. But like, it's interesting that like uh, I'm gonna start here, and it was everyone thinking like, why are you going into this place? I love seeing like what he's not afraid of, what is yeah. not off limits to him, what everybody else said. Like they they use that word with that man that says nobody could tame him. That's not a word you use with humans, yeah, right? And it was almost as if everyone was like, just chain him up. I don't know what to do with him. And how he was like, no, I will get into this with somebody. I will get into the hard, you know? Um, I will come into this mess with... I will come closer to the pain, you know? Because like a lot of people are like, I just don't want to deal with it. Mm. I just don't want to do it. You know, it's too much. Um, And there's something really sweet about Jesus, like showing not only his own character, but kind of like creating a pattern for his future disciples. It's like, this is actually what it looks like to love people really well. But this part is so fun. Um, And this is our, like, um, the journal page, which is really cool. Um, If you just pretended that you were following Jesus for a day, and you were just like, I just want to watch and see where he goes. And our question in this journal page is, make a list of the compassionate detours that you discover. Because just think to yourself for a minute, did he start, what did his to-do list look like that morning? Did he like wake up and say like, okay, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go um, uh, preach in this house that will probably get really busy and a man will come through the roof. And then I'm going to um, go call a tax collector and I'm going to, you know. To be, a m- to be an apostle. Instead, you almost watch... Jesus live out this idea of compassionate detours. That just like as people, as circumstances came, he changed the direction of his day. He lived this God-led day that was so people and heart focused. It's almost as if he like that lady stole Jesus' to-do list. What will I do today? I will love God and I will love people. That is my agenda for the day. And it's fun and and insightful to go through Matthew nine one through thirty eight and just watch everything that he does throughout that day. Watch him change the direction of his day. Watch him stop on the way to Jairus's house and interact with this woman on the roadside. Well, and let's you know? just
1: let's just run through quick. I'll do it super fast and then you um, end us out. But I just love this when he's like he comes to a ship. He gets out. Very first thing, a man sick of the palsy lying in his bed and four people bring him. He sees their faith and he's like, you can behold. I I love when you're like, oh, I know that story. And then next he's gonna see Matthew sitting at the customs and he's like, oh, hey, follow me. And we're going to go to lunch. And they sit down and they start having lunch with all these people. They're asking all the hard questions. And it's the publicans and the sinners, but also the Pharisees are there. And in the middle of that, we're going to find out in verse 18, a certain ruler comes and says, my daughter is even now lying at the point of death. And Jesus, it tells us, just gets up and starts walking. And I love that these are like verse by verse. Yeah. We're like oh, I know what he's talking about because I remember this. Oh, I remember this. I remember this. And, and while they're walking, it says in 20, a woman, which was diseased with an issue of blood 12 years came behind him and touched his garment and he talks to her. And the next thing you know, he's at the house of the ruler and he heals the daughter and raises her from the dead. And in 27, two blind men come and they're like, have mercy on us. And he's like, okay, let me heal you guys. He touched their eyes and, um, Straightly told him, Don't tell anyone about this. And next thing you know, in 32, a dumb man comes with a devil and he heals him. And it, it tells us, and it was never so seen in Israel. And you love that he's like, Okay, I got out of the boat here. I healed the guys who came down with the ceiling here. I grabbed Matthew. I had lunch with sinners. Jairus came and grabbed me. I was going there, but then I saw the woman who touched my robe and then I went and finished that thing. Then the blind man came, the woman reaching there. I've got the um dumb man here. Like you're you're like, what of oh, this was on the to-do list? And then you love the end of Matthew 9. Like yeah. it sums up the whole day.
0: Because you're just like, whoa, and then there's this verse and it says this in thirty five. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. And in thirty-five, thirty-five is like chapter nine like squished like this you know where you're just kind of like that is what all of his days you know could have looked like it seems like they look like that and it seriously is like this like like all of these people and all of their needs and all that thr- the th- word is throng for like that should have been the word of the week you know um, And and then it says this this is what's interesting this is why it's going to be really cool to go through that entire thing because you almost are like I mean, could you imagine if it was just the Devil Man? You know, I mean, yeah, you know, just the, the gathering. If That was it. If That's all you did. That for was the your day? whole day. That's a, big, that's a big day. That's a big day. Or it was just yeah. Like, you'd
1: go home that night and you'd be like, Greg, you are not going to oh. believe what happened to me today. <laughs> I sat with this man in the tombs, and that that, that was like, I got to go to bed early. Yeah. And you're like, oh wait, but I have five more stories that mm-hmm. I, I wait until I tell you about Matthew, and what about this man who came and his daughter was dying, and you're like, what? T- what time is it? Do you have right. as many hours in your day right, as right. I have in mine?
0: But then it says this in 36, 936. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them. And that's actually the, the name that we picked for uh, Jesus for this week is compassion. He is compassion personified. And I love these parts of the Greek de- de- um, definition to feel sympathy or to feel mercy. To like, um, that, there's something about that that he was moved with that, that that was the feeling, that sympathy and mercy in him moved him to do something about it. They didn't just say, like, oh, that's sad, but like that sadness, that sorrow, that it moved him. I love that moved usually means like that's an emotional word, but it also is this action word that says, like, what I see is actually going to make me move. And like, interject and be a part of this story.
1: Yeah, and it's like that word "compassion expects you to do something. I right. love. Remember in Jude that scripture we love so much, 122 that says, "Of some have compassion, making a difference." Right. And it is like compassion requires you to become a difference maker. Yeah. That's what happens if that's the word your
0: film. and it would be so cool in this little box here in the journal how has he shown up in this way how has he moved in your story when you felt like you were waiting when you felt like everyone else had abandoned you and kind of sent you off how did he move in your in in your story when when like you didn't feel like there was hope that your dreams and opportunities had died right that would just be awesome to see how has he moved in your story but then something really awesome happens at the end of that day in Matthew 9 and it says he was so moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered as if they had as if they were sheep with no shepherd like he just walked around this whole day and saw all of these people hurting and wondering and needing and wanting and then he turns to his disciples in 37 and he says this he says the harvest truly is plenteous but the laborers are few or in other words, he was like, there are a lot of people with heartache. There are a lot of people with problems. There are a lot of people who are hopeless. And he said, and there are not enough helpers. There is way more work to do. There are way more people in need than there are helpers to help out with this. And then it's so sweet in 38 because he says, almost, let's have a prayer on this hillside at the end of this day. He says, will you pray that the Lord of the harvest will send forth laborers into the harvest? Like, pray for more workers. Pray. You know, we've, we've talked about this before, sometimes some year, but there's like a phrase that pops up now and then where sometimes in ward councils are talking together and just like so-and-so's not really involved or you know active or, or whatever. And someone will say, well, someone go to their house and tell them that we need them. And I remember being the bishop once and someone said that, and I was like, pause. Do we actually need them? You just don't patronize somebody by saying that we need them. And this is where our conversation came to. It was like, yes, actually, everybody here could be an answer to this 2,000 year old prayer that we need more people to sit with someone with an extra pair of clothes we need more people to stop in the middle of the busy road to, to see and remind her who she is. We need people to breathe in hope into stories and remind them what Jesus can do. I and I love imagine I love living with people like you who are answers to that 2000-year-old prayer, people who will be moved with, with compassion.
1: compassion. And and I love that thought, too, of like, and we need people who will just take someone to lunch. You know, when he's like, right. Matthew, come to lunch with me. And I think you can hear this lesson and be like, well, I, I, I can't do that. Like, I actually have a job. I actually do have a to-do list. And so what does this actually look like for someone like me? And, of course, none of us have Jesus's mission. That is not what we've been called to. Our job is not to get off a boat and then be like, "Okay, God, my whole day I can just do whatever you need." As much as wouldn't you love that? Could someone be like, "David, this is gonna be your job for the next two years?" Actually, when you go on your mission, <laughs> I it was is. Gonna say,
0: once, once upon a time, I did that. I know. But I just I never thought unique, of that before. But it's super yeah, that you.
1: If you if you are feeling super called to that life. You actually can be. Turn (laughs) in your mission papers because you can actually have that day every day for two years if you want. But in reality, um, for most of us, that is not what we are called to right now. We do have other things. And I do remember when you and I had studied this the first time, Matthew 9, thinking, I want this experience that we're talking about. I want to be the help that He is praying for. I want to. And it was interesting because I had a very specific prompting that year and it was like very specific, set aside an hour a day that is filled with nothing. And so I was like, okay, I'll try it for a month. I will set aside when I put my to-dos, I usually go by hour of the day where I'm like, I'll do this here, here, here. I will just make sure in my day there is one hour, 60 minutes available And it's actually something I still do today. It's been years. It has been so many years since the first time we studied this together. Um, And I'm going to tell you this in case you think. God isn't like, okay, when was her free hour? Three to four? Okay, I I can make this work from three to four. That's not what happens. I am open to a compassionate detour every single day. I'm open. And what it generally means is I try and be cognizant of who needs me right now would you actually know this about me because you we spend a lot of time together where there are times when the phone will ring or something will happen where i will be like this is this is the thing i know this is the thing i have to pause right now and i'll sometimes say to david i have to take this it's going to be 10 minutes this is what i have to do this is my call today which means everything's going to have to shift back 10 minutes because that was the thing that i had to engage in And because I have set in that extra 60 minutes, I can actually give myself permission to stop and be like, I can do this. I can have this compassionate detour because I have given myself 60 minutes of wiggle room to make this type of God-led life actually work in my life. And I love that thought that when he's like, send help, it's like, okay, how many minutes do you have? Start scheduling that into your to-do list, and maybe it's twenty, or maybe you're like, "God, I have ten today. Could you use me for ten minutes?" And I promise you, He will, because He's. This is a two-thousand-year-old prayer. He will. He will use you. He will let you be on His errand. Well, and there's if enough work
0: to be done. Like I, it's not like we're in a lack of people yeah. who need encouragement and hope and help and lunch and and all yeah. those things. Like there's. Plenty yeah. to be done out there. And so yeah. a person could, you know, really do that. And, and a person could like look at their schedule and say, well, actually on this list too is comp- compassionate detours will dictate my day. Like I know I have all these things to do, but I can have an intention. Mm-hmm. And having an intention is just as important as yeah. having as the amount of time that yes. you have yeah. to do something. Like and
1: that. it has opened my eyes like the phrase that I use a lot of times is I live eyes wide open. Now, that is how I live because I am expecting he will send a compassionate detour my way. I actually anticipate that is going to happen every day in my life. And I do live eyes wide open for that to be true.
0: Yeah. And everybody can and everyone's invited to it. And, yes. and, 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 and I honestly think living a life of compassionate detours will add more thrill and more Mm, meaning into a day, a year, a life than than anything else that I know of.
1: That's so true. So So something fun to try this week.
0: Yeah. Okay. See you next week. This audio was taken from a YouTube video from our YouTube channel. You can find us on YouTube at Don't Miss This.
1: Also, sign up for our newsletter at don'tmissthisstudy.com, and you can follow us on Instagram at Emily Bell Freeman and at Mr. Dave Butler.
0: Thanks for listening. Bye.